Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 107 of The Informed Catholic. <clears throat> so, for this episode, we're going to actually um, go over some of uh, the history of Fulton Sheen's articles, um, articles that point uh, to the fact that he foresaw a lot of our problems that we're going to go through, uh, that we are going through right now, the social, political, and moral problems that our country and our world is going through. Um, we Catholics have to admit that there's a serious crisis. There's a crisis of faith. A lot of our clergy uh, are modernists are modernists and a lot of them are I don't believe um, I mean I've spoken to friends I've had conversations with friends uh, this stuff that I hear and uh, the, the things that are going on in the church I mean seriously uh, priests calling cops on uh, parishioners uh, pregnant women um, bishops aligning themselves, going against church teaching, uh, sexuality, uh, wanting to bless same-sex unions, um, pedophilia, uh, clergy stealing money, selling off, uh, church property. Bishops in, in many places, they're selling off church property, uh, even when parishioners are willing to uh, pull the money together and buy the property from the bishops, but the bishops want to sell it because they want to get uh, from some developer, they want to get more money. It's a serious problem. And then <clears throat> being silent, uh, someone like Joe Biden, uh, who's <laughs> questionable in his legitimacy for president, because let's face it, that's not going to go away, and it shouldn't go away. Um, who supports same-sex marriage, who supports abortion against church teaching, and bishops are willing to give him Holy Communion. These are things that, and there's many, many other things. There's many other things. I mean, there's, there's I mean, it goes up right to the top in the Vatican, even Pope Francis. Uh, Pope Francis says one thing, and then he says another. And of course, there's a question, there's a fair question of rather interpretation. If he, if the media is reporting the news correctly, in, many, in some cases they have, and in many cases it's on Pope Francis because he says things and he's not careful. And he's also, uh, right now, there's obvious report of suppression of the Latin mass. And that's another problem. That's a, there's, that's another problem by itself because there's a lot of division even among parishioners. And I'm going to say this. Um, it's more among parishioners than it is among the clergy. I have heard very sensible clergy uh, Father Ripiger, um, he um, 
I've heard him on podcasts. I've heard him on YouTube channel. He's a very sensible uh, priest. He has tried to soften and try to smooth out the uh, division of many among parishioners, especially when it comes to the Latin Mass. Many um, fellow Catholics, uh, mainly parishioners, have tried to basically say, go to a Latin Mass. You should go to a Latin Mass. Sometimes they say reasonably, if it's accessible. Well, it's not accessible. And telling people, there's, there's some even say, move to a place for you and your family where you can get to a, well, you can go to a Latin Mass. And we all know it's not possible, especially with now the economic situation going on, with the, um, the social, uh, I mean, the shutdown with this coronavirus. Uh, now that we're going, we're, we we're more, we are most definitely going to go into a uh, recession. It, you know, God help us if it's going to be another, another one like the one we had a couple of years ago when Obama took over. And it's the, with the school situation going in, a lot of people who are very Latin, ma Latin mass types. I know this for a fact because I've spoken to a friend of mine. He, he helps teach catechism at Holy Innocent in Manhattan. My friend Henry. And they're not the most friendliest people. I used to uh, be able to go to more regularly to uh, St. Agnes and they have a Latin mass. They're, they're, that air, that church, I think has been uh, taken over by Opus Dei. Uh, it's right by Grand Central Station. And yeah, I've attended one or two Latin masses around there. And no, they're not the most friendliest of all people. They're not the most friendliest. They they tend to be very aloof, very cold. They don't want to talk to people. They don't they don't tend to make other people welcome. They tend to have a and I'm not saying all of them. Some of them are much more nice. Some some of them can be nice people, but they're overwhelmed by the puffy pharisaic behavior like i know more than you i know the latin mass better than you they're not very what you call welcoming and uh to assist people they're not making the latin mass accessible they're not doing enough i hate to say it they're not doing enough to make the latin mass accessible to though to other fellow catholics and to teach does not, I mean, I hate to say it, there's not enough of them going out there who do even podcasts now. I mean, at least I haven't come across one to help people know the Latin Mass, to help them understand, help fellow Catholics uh, understand it. It's almost like they want to keep it all to themselves. It's true. But anyway, um, this is, <clears throat> these are subject matters for another time. Um, uh, I'm the type of Catholic that wants 
I'm more worried about losing Catholics. Um, the shutdown has turned off a lot of fellow Catholics. Uh, the fact that the bishops have willingly shut the church down and bish and priests are doing everything they can, it seems, to to um, to bully and intimidate parishioners. Um, yeah, we got a lot of these, we, we got a lot of these bad, bad bishops and bad priests who, and we, and, and there are some parishioners, there are some parishioners who seem to have a, a deep loathing and hatred for the conservative Catholic. And I mean the conservative Catholic that, that wants to live the Catholic faith that believes in the real presence in the Eucharist, that believes in the teachings of the church, that believes in the sexual and moral teachings of the faith. That means no same, no, no, no same sex marriage, no abortion. There, uh, those who, Catholics who are into the catechism and who believe in in the teachings of Christ. I would say maybe you can call it the conservative evangelical Catholic. All right, evangelical Catholic meaning a Catholic that actually believes everything. Conservative, believes in the catechism, believes in the mass, believes in the liturgy, believes in the real presence, prays the rosary. You know, the the type of Catholic I think that I would say I'm more like the Scott Hahn. I'm I'm more of the Great Adventure uh, Bible Catholic, uh RSV. Um I pray the rosary as, as often as I could. I'm not perfect. But I also listen to the wisdom and teachings of Fulton Sheen. So we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this and we're going to read this article, several articles from the Catholic Register by, I read last uh, the last one by um, Joseph Pronchin. Uh, he's a blogger. This is, this one article is from September 20, 2019, um, a little over two, two years ago. Okay, but let's begin. Uh, let's begin with a prayer and we're going to read Tuesday's reading scripture passages. I'm going to read the first one, then I'm going to go to part of the article here, and uh, then I'll read the other passages, all right? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. First reading is going to be from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 36 of 41. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to the Jewish people, let the, whole house, let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart 
and Naax Peter and the other apostles. What are we to do, my brothers? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. He testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This part catches my attention. He testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them. Okay, that part with many other arguments that shows us that we didn't get every single word, every single detail from that day of Peter's words. We got the basics. The Holy Spirit here is showing us there were many other forms of arguments and like uh, examples that Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, used to talk to them. In other words, other scripture arguments, other examples. And <laughs> 3,000 persons were added that day. Now, when I said earlier about, um, obviously, the difference between parishioners who who hold to uh, fellow Catholics, who hold to um, lay people, who hold to the Latin, the Latin mass only, and those who who'd go to the Novus Ordo, like myself, who have don't have the access to the Latin mass everywhere. I mean, it, you know, I got a seventy-year-old mom. I'm can't. I'm not going to drag her to Manhattan with me. All right. Uh, I have a beautiful parish nearby, Regina Apache Basilica. Now they could have the Latin Mass there, and I could approach the Monsignor. And honestly, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's a bad guy. I th I don't think I think he's, I think he you know I mean he's he's an old fellow. And I don't know. I don't know if there's other parishioners that would want the Latin Mass. It's a pretty big parish, yes. There's a lot of people there. But I honestly believe you have to get enough people from not just the English-speaking. There's also Italians. There's Hispanics. There's the Spanish-speaking parishioners. And there's also Chinese. You're going to have to get enough people that would agree with this. Okay. And you're going to have to get, I, I don't think the most senior is going to be entirely agreeable because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, um, I just don't think it's going to happen. 
I just don't think it's going to happen. And I'm not, and I'm not, uh, I, I'm not holding it against him because it's, you, you're just going to have to get enough people that are willing to invest in this. And it's not a, um, it's not, it's not lack for trying. It's just, it's getting enough parishioners that will willingly to want to attend it. Maybe, you know, it may be, it's something that has to be prayed for, but here's something I want to say before I go into the, the Psalm here, where in any of the apparitions of the blessed mother, I brought this up to a friend of mine where she made any warning about the liturgy. In Fatima, I don't hear it. I don't hear anything from Lourdes. Uh, I don't hear anything from the, the, um, the last Japanese apparition of Akita or oh, I believe it is, or Japan. I don't hear any anything like that. It's just a question. I haven't heard anything like that. All right, let's move on to the Psalm. Psalm 33. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us, who have put our who have put our hope in you. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, verse 11 to 18. I have seen the Lord, and he said these things to me. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting, sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener, and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, 
for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he told her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so I had a talk with a good friend of mine. I I look at him as an older brother, as you know, and he's a brother in Christ, but he's also um, an older, wise brother to me. He's very dear to me, and he's a, and he's also he's always helped me. His wisdom has always been um, very important to me, and I hold him very dear to me. Question. Now, did not Christ give Peter and the church the authority to preach and teach? The authority to preach and teach. Now, we know that the apostles didn't speak Latin. We know that. We know that Peter was a fisherman. We know the... Um, and we know that the other apostles, I mean, I'm sure Peter knew Greek. I'm sure definitely our Lord spoke Greek daily because it was a Greek city nearby. I mean, we know now by archaeology a lot that the that Galilee was a very cosmopolitan area. And there were Romans and there were Greeks and there were people speak they were speaking Aramaic daily. They were more very they were more they were multilingual. Did they know Latin? Um maybe they might have known a little Latin, but most likely they spoke Greek with the Romans. Now, I'm just saying. Now the question the message the message was to preach and teach. To preach and teach. To send out the message of the word of God. We can look in the early church fathers. That was very important to them. All right. The, the basic message, the gospel was written in Greek. And to get the word of God out there. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a Latin mass. There just shouldn't be a Trinitine mass. But I'm saying is that. I do believe that the church has a right to, to, to come up with a way to, 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 to send the word of God out. The main purpose is to get people to Christ. And yes, I do believe there were bad men. There was those who were who probably like Annabella Bonini, who probably you know came up with these problems, but you know who who came up with ways to Protestantize the church. I don't think I think we should do the the liturgy more Catholic, even in the Novus Ordo. We can we can borrow things from the Trinitine right. I do believe that the priest should do the 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 consecration, and at the altar, ad orientum. I do believe these things. I do believe things. I, I know. I think it should be done at Orientum. 
Uh, I do believe we should receive Holy Communion on the tongue, not in the hand. Uh, I think we should receive it more reverently. Um, I believe the music, the the music, should be done more. I think there should be more Benedictine and Gregorian chants. Most definitely, I think there should be some Latin in the uh, the liturgy. Even in, I think we could take for a low Novus Ordo and a high one. I don't even think we should even call it a Novus Ordo. I think we can incorporate. It should be based on the most reverent liturgy. All right, I do believe that. All right, enough of this. I want, Let's get to the article. This is from 2019 by Joseph Princhen. All right. Did Fulton Sheen prophesy about these times? The only way out of this crisis is spiritual. The time is nearer than you think. Did Archbishop Fulton Sheen prophesy about these times? In a talk 72 years ago, Bishop Fulton Sheen appeared as visionary, as prophet of old. We are at the end of Christendom, Archbishop Fulton Sheen said during a talk in 1947, making it clear he didn't mean Christianity or the church, he said. Christendom is economic, political, social life as inspired by Christian principles that is ending. We've seen it die. Look at the symptoms. The breakup of the family, divorce, abortion, immorality, general dishonesty. Prophetic then, he was already he was already a visionary, and forewarning. In the January twenty sixth, nineteen forty seven radio broadcast, why is it that so few realize the seriousness of our present crisis? He asked seventy two years ago then gave the answer, partly because men do not want to believe their own times are wicked. Hmm, very good. Partly because it involves too much self-accusation and principally because they have no standards outside of themselves by which to measure their times. Only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. This is interesting. Only those who live by faith really know what's happening in the world. Okay, this part here, what we just read, is very good. Okay, let's go back. Why is it that so few realize the seriousness of our present crisis? He asked this 72 years ago, then gave the answer. Partly because men do not want to believe their own times are wicked. Partly because it involves too much self-accusation. And principally because they have no standards outside of themselves by which to measure their own times. Only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. 
the great masses without faith are unconscious of the destructive processes going on. <clears throat> so you see, let's get rid of the division. All right. I, we all want to be holy. All right. Those of us who attend the Novus Ordo want to be holy. Those of us who want to go to the Trentine Mass want to be holy. But if we're going to get, we're going to get caught up with this Pharisaic detail. We're all Catholic. We're all Catholic. And I believe, I truly believe that we all want to get to heaven. But if, if we're going to go into the like, well, I know more than you, or I, I, I'm more holier than you because I attend the Trinity mass or, uh, I know Latin more than you, you know, just get off of it. Don't, don't, don't even go there because you know that the Holy Spirit is going to, is, is, is going to, is going to make a shipwreck of you. It's going to prove you a shipwreck because even for some people who go to the Nobis Ordo, there are a lot of people who go there who are indifferent. There's even, I mean, we got, we got show off Catholics in the Nobis Ordo. We got show off Catholics uh, in the clergy. We got, you know, you know, Catholics with pride and vanity in, in, in the Trinitine mass. We got, they're all over the place and the Holy Spirit is going to, is going to make a shipwreck of them. So let's not go there. Okay. We're all sinners. We all have to go to confession. We all have to confess our sins, whether it's Trinitine or Novus Ordo. Okay. Now, if there are those Catholics, there are also the other Catholics that want to, that, that look at the faith as progressive. Let's face it. We've heard about the Society of St. Peter or uh, you know, uh, you know, we've heard reports from from church militant among the Trinitine. There are pedophiles. The clergy, you know, the 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 Lefebvre movement. We've heard about that, and we've and there are pedophiles in the Novus Ordo. Okay, the devil has the ability to sow division, and he puts his pedophiles, whether it's in the in the Norbus Ordo or, or in the Trinitine. It doesn't matter. All right. He's even got his perverts among those, uh, the ones who believe that Peter is throne or the throne of the Pope is the Pope's chair is empty. He's got, he's got his pedophiles there too. So the point is, let's get off our high horse. Let's get off this division. We got a we got a crisis. We got a serious crisis. All right, there's there is a serious crisis of faith, crisis of morality, crisis of humility. We got sin. The devil is 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 in all parts in this division, and we have to address it. Okay, like he says here, only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. 
The great masses without faith are unconscious. The great masses without faith are unconscious, are unconscious of the destructive process going on. Certainly seems a, a snapshot of the usual suspects, the headlines and stories of today. To highlight his point, Sheen emphasized that ev that that the very day Sodom was destroyed, Scripture describes the sun as bright. Balthazar's realm came to an end in darkness. People saw Noah preparing for the flood, a hundred twenty years before it came. But men would not believe <clears throat> in the midst of seeming prosperity, world unity, the decree to the angels goes forth. But the message, the message, the masses, I'm sorry, uh, the decree of the angels go forth, but the masses go on their sordid routine. As our Lord said, for, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage even till the day in which Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not till the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew chapter 24, verse 38 to 39. Sheen wondered if we're even aware of the signs and times because basic dogmas of the modern world were dissolving before our very eyes, replacing them where the, uh, the assumptions man has. No other function in life than to produce and acquire wealth. The idea man is naturally good and has no need of a God to give him rights or a redeemer to save him from guilt because progress is automatic thanks to, thanks to sciences, education, and evolution which will one day make man a kind of a god. And the idea, reason, isn't for discovering the meaning and goal of life, namely the salvation of a soul, but merely to devise new technical advances to make on this earth a city of man, to displace the city of God. Well, that's true. Look how people are people more obsessed it seems, I mean, look at it. Isn't it amazing how on Facebook, everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants their post to be liked. Everybody wants their statement to be liked. Everybody wants their idea to prevail, their viewpoint to prevail, their, their progressive viewpoint to prevail. And um, people are like control freaks. I mean, seriously, it seems like everybody thinks that it's like the same thing I would say with these progressive clergy. I've said it before. These very progressive clergy, progressive about sexuality, progressive about their view of God, progressive about their view of, of, uh, of philosophy and everything. They honestly believe these, and these particular ones are, let's face it, some of them I do believe are sexually perverts. They... They think that if they hold these positions high in the church, that almost that they're in the command center of God's mind. This is what I believe. They are in the command center of God's mind. And they believe that because they're there, that they can control the mind of God. It's a very paganistic, 
very petty view that because they hold these high offices, the magisterium office, the teaching office, the the moral office, the ethical office, the philosophical office, that we can control the mind of God and make God go the direction we want him to go. That's, I truly believe that. I truly believe that that's the way they think. Well, I'm here. I'm in this office and you're not. So obviously I, you know, I, I'm controlling the church and it's not, it's not going to be so. It's not going to happen. They're going to be disappointed. So, yeah, that's, I really do believe that this is what they think. And it's very petty. And I think it's very paganistic. And it's, I think, in more intellectually and morally superstitious. In a very, in a very intellectually moral way. In a very progressive, superstitious way. Um, it's, it's very... Um, it's very petty and, 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 and definitely I think God is going to prove them wrong, but I have met a lot of, uh, homosexuals in my day, uh, within the Catholic faith work and they struggle, they struggle between their, their sensual life, their sexual life and they struggle with the spiritual and a lot of times it's, I noticed also a few that I, I, I met, um, depending on their background, it's a struggle for them. It's a struggle. They, they have to come up with some, um, form of Catholicism that is geared towards their sexuality, geared towards their lifestyle. It's something they have to make up on their own. I mean, I've even met a few that that even sort of like combine their sexuality with their, their Catholicism, their sexuality with a form of new age religion. All right. And, and you know, if not, they're going to they're going to they're going to morph a, a Catholicism geared to their to their gay lifestyle. It's it's very it's very um it's 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 very troublesome because i've noticed a pattern it, i would oh I, there's always a pattern because everything is wrapped around them it's everything about their identity is geared towards their sexuality heterosexuals don't even think this way we don't we don't you know it's it's not in their mind always of uh, uh you know it's not it's not even constant the sexuality of a heterosexual is not always, is not always in the forefront. It's not, it's not even our identity when you think about it, but it's always with them. The rainbow colors, the, the, the fashion statement, art, music, dance, it's always wrapped around their own sexuality and it's always, and that's how they identify. That's how they socialize. <clears throat> it's very, it's really, it's really strange. Okay. Um, isn't technology advancing at a dizzying rate, demanding the obedience so much of the population? It's true. You see, 
It's always about the Facebook and, like I said, Twitter and and everything. Uh, Sheen pointed out the signs of the times reveal where definitely at the end of a non-religious era of civilization, which regarded religion as, uh, this is a word I'm not even familiar with, as an adenum to life, or some, I guess, as as a pious extra, okay, as an ad extra, a moral builder for for the individual, but of no social relevance. An ambulance that took care of the wrecks of social order until science reached a point where there would be no more wrecks, which called on God only as a defender of national ideals or as a silent partner, but who had nothing to say about how the business should be run. Isn't it interesting ever since the um, the vaccine when Trump, uh, when the whole brought up doctors and, and, and when the coronavirus, when the Wuhan virus came to the forefront last year, uh, people were accusing, saying, you don't believe in science, you don't believe in science. It's an interesting thing. But then when you look at it, when you look at the opponents on the other end, you get to realize that they're also pointing out to parts of science because let's face it, even science can be can be manipulated by I mean we've seen that with the Third Reich. We've seen that with the uh, the Soviet uh, communist uh, attitude. Uh, even um, Karl Marx manipulated. Uh, Darwin's uh, idea to prove to him to it was used by by the Marxists to even classify races. They don't they don't even want to they don't even want to bring that to the forefront. But it's true. I mean, uh, Margaret Sanger believed uh, certain members of the population, ethnic and color people of color, were below whites. She was a she was a darn racist herself. I mean, she was a, a eugenist, and a eugenist is a racist. And and uh, Ruth Gader Ginsburg, the late Ruth Gader Ginsburg, the judge, Supreme Court judge, even admitted in a Vanity Fair article that she didn't hold on to abortion because it had anything to do with a woman's right to choose. She she viewed abortion as a way of po- controlling certain parts of the population that we didn't want. And she admitted it was blacks and and Hispanics. So they don't even want to bring that up. I mean, even Vanity Fair had no choice but to publish it. That was before the whole cancel culture nonsense came out now, because now they don't want you to know certain things that they're so-called ideal image. Now she's gone. Now she's gone. All right. I mean, I remember everybody had, there were t-shirts of her, there were bumper stickers of Ruth Gader Ginsburg. There, you go to Strand's bookstore. There were even uh, bags and and mugs with her image on it, uh, you know. But now she's gone, right? She now they're going to have to find someone else to replace Ruth Gader Ginsburg, and definitely it's not Nancy Pelosi, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's go on here. You know, they always find some someone to to try to uh, piggyback their ideology on. It's amazing. Um, 
Okay, so then the next article here, uh, a paragraph. Then the great bishop said something that at first seemed shocking as we look at today. The new era in which we are entering is what might be called the religious phase of human history. This is interesting, definitely. But he quickly said this didn't mean men will turn to God. Rather, they will turn from indifference to having passion for an absolute. The struggle will be for the souls of men. The conflict of the future is between the absolute who is the God-man and the absolute which is the man-God. Okay. The God who became man and the man who makes himself God. The God who became man. The Word, the eternal Logos, who became flesh, became man, Jesus Christ. The God who became man. And the man who makes himself God. I probably would have probably would have phrased it a little differently. Uh, for example, here in the text, I probably would have, the God who became man, I would have capitalized uh, man as emphasizing the incarnation. And the man, the mere man, who makes himself God or a God. Brothers in Christ and comrades in the Antichrist. Okay, this is, this is something we're going to have to look at it here again. The great, then the great bishop said something that at first seemed shocking as we look at today. The new era into which we are entering is what might be called the religious phase of human history. But he quickly said this didn't mean men will turn to God. Rather, they will turn from indifference to having a passion for an absolute, an absolute. This is something a lot of people argue with. A lot of uh, the relativist does not believe in an absolute. A relativist does not want to take a moral stand. They want to wiggle. And a relativist like Barack Obama wants to have the freedom to choose any moral or intellectual uh ideology that fits that gives him the ability to control the situation to control the political and moral the moral situation this is why basically uh if you notice with now the um uh the whole gender gay movement before was that they were born this way that was an absolute it was an absolute for them now it's the fact is that it seems like one can choose their sex. Notice the child doesn't have to be assigned. Uh, uh, there's no there's no criteria to assign uh, gender to a child to a child that's born. Notice now. Notice now this argument. We go from from being born this way to now not being born this way. That we can have the absolute to choose whatever gender. So you see. The, the 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 perversity of that situation, the perversity of that thinking. And now to the point where they want to, the state wants to have the power 
to decide this. It's 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 a, it's it's really amazing how the perver- the satanic perversity of this mind works. And no one wants to talk about it or they want to silence you if you want to bring an argument about it. It's a, you know, it's a population control thing, but it's also like a, some kind of, some kind of sick cult. Um, rather, you know, okay, let's go back to here. But he would quickly, he quickly said in this, in, in this didn't mean men will turn to God. Rather, they'll turn from indifference to having a passion for an absolute. The struggle will be for the souls of men. The conflict of the future is between the absolute who is the God-man and the absolute which is the man-God, the God who became man and the man who makes himself God, brothers in Christ and comrades in the Antichrist. Sheen goes on to describe the Antichrist, which we'll leave for another time, other than now to say his religion will be brotherhood without the fatherhood of God. He will deceive even the elect. The saintly bishop brings in communism, to which has its place in what's going on at the time and beyond, as we will see. Remember what Our Lady of Fatima said about Russia, spreading its errors, communism, if the world didn't heed Our Lady's directives. Amazing. Okay, let's continue. Continuing with our times, this one, this this paragraph is titled "The Foresighted Sheen Reminded: God will not allow unrighteousness to become eternal, <clears throat> revolution, disintegration, chaos must be reminders that our thinking has been wrong, our dreams have been unholy, moral truth is vindicated." By the ruin that follows when it has been repeated, the chaos of our times is the strongest negative argument that could ever be advanced <clears throat> for Christianity. The disintegration following an abandonment of God thus becomes a triumph of meaning, a reformation, a re- re- uh, reaffirmation of our purpose, a purpose. Adversity is the expression of God's condemnation of evil. The registering of divine judgment, catastrophe, reveals that evil is self-defeating. We cannot turn from God without hurting ourselves. We cannot turn from God without hurting ourselves. The disintegration following an abandonment of God Thus becomes the triumph of meaning. Reaffirmation of purpose. Adversity is the expression of God's condemnation of evil. The registering of divine judgment. Catastrophe reveals that evil is self-defeating. We cannot turn from God without hurting ourselves. Sheen gave another reason why a crisis must come. To, pre- to prevent false identification of the church and the world. Our Lord wanted his followers to be different from those who were not. I have not taken you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. John 15, verse 9. Even 
those 1947 days, Sheen saw uh, modernity and compromise characterize the lives of many Christians. Many read the same novels as modern pagans, educate their children in the same godless way, listen to the same commentators who have no other standard than judging today by yesterday and tomorrow by today, allow pagan practice such as divorce and remarriage to creep into the family. There are not wanting so-called Catholic labor leaders recommending the communists for Congress or Catholic writers who accept presidencies in communist front organizations to install totalitarian ideas in movies. There is no longer the conflict and opposition which is supposed to be character, supposed to characterize us. We are influencing the world less than the world influences us. There is no apart, apart, apartness. He quoted St. Paul on this very idea, telling Corinthians, what has innocence to do with lawlessness? What is there in common between light and darkness? What harmony between Christ and Belal? Sheen perfectly married the 2018-2019 headlines when it comes to people who stand up for the faith. For pro-life from marriage, evil must come to reject us, to despise us, to hate us, to persecute us. And then shall we define our loyalties, affirm our fidelities, and state on those whose side we stand. How shall the strong and the weak trees be manifest unless the wind blows? Our quantity indeed will decrease, but our quality will increase. Then shall be verified the words of our master. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Interesting. Looking, to the, looking on the horizon. Already in 1947, Sheen saw the coming of the days of the beast, when there will be no buying or selling unless men have been signed with the sign of the beast who would devour the child of the mother of mothers. The good bishop noted, remember this was 1947, with the family disintegrating with, with one divorce for every two marriages in, in 35 major cities in the United States with five divorces for every six marriages in Los Angeles. There's no denying that something has snapped. Anyone who has had anything to do with God is hated today, whether in his vocation was to announce, hold on, in his vocation, whether his vocation was to announce his divine son, Jesus Christ, as did the Jew, or to follow him as the Christian. What should Sheen tell us today as we've deteriorated far beyond what he has already saw as he added? Every now and then in history, the devil is giving a long rope. The devil, the devil is given a, a long rope. For we must never forget that our Lord said to Judas and his band, this is your hour. God has his day, but evil has its hour when the shepherd shall be struck and the, sheep's, the sheep are dispersed. Yet Sheen is not fearful 
for the church but for the world in speaking of the emergence of the antichrist against christ we tremble not that god may be dethroned but that barbarism may reign it is not transubstantiation that may perish but the home not the sacraments that may fade away but the moral law the church can have no different words for the weeping woman than those of Christ on the way to Calvary. The church may, can have no different words for the weeping woman than those of Christ on the way to Calvary. Weep not over me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Luke chapter 23, verse 28. Over the centuries, the church has had its Good Fridays, he reminds us. But there's always Easter Sundays. Because Jesus promised the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the consummation of the world. Matthew 28, verse 20. Okay, the part about the women, I don't, um, uh, just to make clear, the uh, weep not over me, but weep over for yourselves and for your children. Luke 23, verse 28. And this one here. Behold, I am with you all days, even to the consummation of the world. Matthew 28, verse 20. As bleak as things may be, never has. There may, there, there have, there's been such a strong argument for the need of Christianity. For men are now discovering that their misery and their woes, their wares and their revolutions increase in direct ratio and proportion to the neglect of Christianity. Even Evil is self-defeating. Good alone is self-preserving. Prophetic Recommendations Like prophets of old, Sheen stood firm in hope, giving practical recommendations as true today as in 1947. First, Christians must realize that a moment of crisis is not a time of despair. But of opportunity. The more we can anticipate the doom, the more we can avoid it. Once we recognize we are, we, we are under divine wrath, we become eligible for divine mercy. It was because of famine, the prodigal said, I will arise and will go to my father. The very discipline of God creates hope. The thief on the right came to God by crucifixion. Christians find a basis for optimism in the most thoroughgoing pessimism, for his Easter is within three days of Good Friday. Sheen offered this great hope, filled with encouragement to one of the surprises of heaven, will be to see how many saints were made in the midst of a chaos and war and revolution. He points out the great multitude standing before the throne of God and identified as these are the ones who have survived the times of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 7 verse 14. There's, mo there's more to spur us on. Firm in hope, Sheen strongly reminds that after our divine Lord had pictured 
the catastrophe that would fall upon a morally disordered civilization. He did not say fear, but when the, these signs begin to happen, and stand erect and raise your head, you raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. Luke chapter 21 verse 28. Sheen told all Catholics, Jews and Protestants, that the world is serving your souls with an awful summons, the summons to heroic efforts at spiritualization. Catholics ought to stir up their faith, hang a crucifix in their homes, to remind them that we too have to carry a cross, gather the family together every night to recite the rosary, that through a corporate prayer there might be intercession for the world. Go to daily Mass, that the spirit of love and sacrifice might be sprinkled in our businesses, our social life, and our duties. More heroic souls might undertake the holy hour daily, particularly in parishes, conscious of the needs of prayer and reparation, as well as petition, conducting such devotions in their churches. Sheen urged all to pray. The forces of evil are united. The forces of good are divided. We may not be able to meet in the same pew. We would to God we did, but we can meet on our knees. This is why I'm saying is like shows like The Chosen, which is very interesting. The director and producer is uh, a Protestant. And there are some, I notice in the credits, people with Greek last names, which I'm assuming they're Orthodox Christians. Uh, some of the cast is Messianic Jews. Some of them are practicing Jews. Others, uh, like the actor, Jonathan Rumi, is Roman Catholic. He's a Catholic of Egyptian uh, Coptic background. Um, and there are, some of them are pro obviously, I, I said Protestants. But a show like this has brought together um, these people of different uh, traditions, religious traditions, but they all profess Jesus Christ. And the audience, the audience in general, uh, I hope more Catholics are watching. They should be watching. Uh, and and there are Protestants definitely. They're all they're all catching on in the show. The first episode of the second season uh, it ends beautifully, um, where Jesus is is in Samaria, in Sakur, the, the the city where the Samaritan woman, the divorced woman who's been divorced five times, and it ends beautifully where he's teaching at the synagogue and he brings out the first book of Moses, which is Genesis. And you see everyone gathered together and you see he's presenting the liturgy at their synagogue, at their temple. And I thought that was very beautiful because this, this a show like this, because Protestants are looking for, now they're starting to look into Jewish tradition. They're starting to look into tradition. 
sacred tradition, tradition that can give meaning to their faith. They're asking because they want something to to regulate their lives. They want to, they want their faith to regulate their lives, to separate them from the common world into the sacred world. And you see that more and more now within Protestantism. It's, you know, it's 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 a thing that happens because, you know, you see how when they dive into the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and they wanted to go into the world of Jesus, they're going to the world of sacred daily prayer. You know, uh, they're starting to understand now that there are certain things that uh, bless every moment of the day, morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, putting the Bible into action, making it part of your daily life and everything. Uh, okay, let's go back here. Okay, it ends with, would, would to God we did, but we can meet on our knees. In other words, we can pray together. Fulton Sheen's saying we can come and pray together. Um, more necessities. Sheen added, in order for our spiritual and eternal good, those who have the faith had better keep in, this, keep in the state of grace, and those who have neither had better find out what they mean. For in the coming age, there will be only one way to stop your trembling knees, and that will be to get down on them and pray. That's a good way of stopping fear. The most important problem in the world today is your soul. For that is what the, str the struggle is about. There is only one path out of chaotic conditions. The concerned bishop revealed. The only way out of this crisis is spiritual. Because the trouble is not in the way we keep our books, but in the way we keep our souls. The time is nearer than you think. He advised us to turn to St. Michael in prayer. We once did with the St. Michael prayer after every single Mass until the 1960s. Today, some dioceses are restoring the practice, what they, what they all did. Would they all, would they all did, you know, that they bring back to St. Michael at the end of Mass. That's, that's an unfortunate thing that they actually, that was cut out. We are to turn especially to Our Lady. Sheen consoled, then prayed. As thou didst from the word made flesh in, the, in, the, in thy womb, from him in our hearts, be in our midst as the tongue of the fire to send upon our cold hearts. And then if this be night, then come, O Lady of the blue heaven, show us once again the light of the world in the heart of a, a, heart of a day. As she will, as Fatima, she said, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. This is by the same article from the last episode uh, by Joseph Pronchin. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Article originally appeared in February 4th, 2019 at the Registrar. Joseph Pronchin a, um, is staff writer of the National Catholic Registrar since 2005. And before that, a regular correspondent for the paper. His articles have appeared in a number of national publications, including Columbia Magazine, Soul, Faith and the Family, Catholic Digest, Catholic Exchange, The Marian Helper. His religion features have also appeared in the Farfield County Catholic, 
and in major newspapers. He is the author of The Fruits of Fatima, Century of Signs and Wonders. He holds a graduate degree and formally taught English in courses in film study that he developed at a Catholic high school in Connecticut. Joseph and his wife, Mary, reside in the East Coast. He's a good writer. He's very good. I like I like his articles. I like his um his study of Sheen. I think Sheen is is um is someone really really important to study. I think you should check out Lucky Thing on YouTube. They even have podcasts. You believe this? They have podcasts now with Fulton Sheen, which I think is great. Uh some of them I think they're gonna have to clean up a little bit because they're very old. But you know, his radio broadcast, but they should look for them as much as possible and look for as many articles as possible by Sheen. It's, he's really, he's really, um, I hope he gets canonized. I, I pray he does get canonized. He becomes Saint, Saint Sheen. Uh, wow. This was a good article. So concluding from this article, what we have read, what conclusion can we come to? Well, I didn't see anywhere where Fulton Sheen, and even after Vatican II, because you got to remember, this man lived through the changes in Vatican II. He lived through the changes of the liturgy. And I'm not saying that Fulton Sheen didn't care or, or let's say, disregarded the Latin Mass. But the church does have the power to make some of these changes. And the Mass has changed through the centuries. Okay? No one ever, you'll never hear anyone say that the Eucharistic consecration in the Novus Ordo is invalid. It's valid. <clears throat> Problem is, is that there, the Novus Ordo has become a three-ring circus. That's true. Okay, the liturgical music is terrible. I hate guitars. I hate accordions. I hate drums. It should be done reverently. It should be done reverently. There should be reverent music, traditional music. The mass should be done reverently. Now, the problem is there's a lot of... um it's interesting. Um, in the opening of the second season of the Chosen, I don't mean to constantly go back to that show, but there's some there's there's, there's, there's an interesting line where uh, a father of a young woman um, says to the to the actor playing Jesus, Jonathan Rumi, who play in the role of Christ. I believe this is the time that we live in is a time of blasphemies, and I think that. We're living in, in a very abusive time, a time of abusive uh, abuses to the liturgy. Um, you know, there's a lot of abuses. There's liturgical dancing. There's uh, play with, uh, with the creed, removing the part where it refers to our Lord as a man. Um, there's... there's uh, Abuses um, uh, where they got rainbow colors. I mean, we hear about the time when, uh, what do you call it, Cardinal Bernardine, who uh, is now 
coming uh, after he's long gone now, abuse uh, abuses about him uh, that he was very deeply involved with the homosexual movement, and he in Chicago had a a, a gay flag, a rainbow color flag, literally covering the the crucifix of our Lord. There's a lot of abuses. I think what Vatican II did was, unfortunately, the part where it gave too much power to the pastors, to the pastoral, to the to the local pastors, and it 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 basically what it did was I think it blindsided the papacy, and I think that was done deliberately. Uh, yes, did was Annabelle Bonini a Freemason? It doesn't go away. I always believe when certain things don't go away, guess what? It means that there's truth to it. It means that it, you know, there's a line, um, a proverb among the Arabs, uh, the Bedouins. Uh, no matter how deep you bury truth in the sand, the sand will always expose the truth. In other words, you can't get rid of it. Sooner or later, it's going to come out. All right, and that's that's something that some uh, heretics and sinners don't understand. It's going to come out. It's going to come out about you sooner or later. God himself knows it. God's holy angels know it. God's holy saints know it. They know it. The Holy Spirit knows the truth, and you can't escape it. Okay, and I think it's something that people have to really consider. They have to consider this because there's been abuses. We're going through a tough time. We're going through a trial. The church is going through a trial. I believe sooner or later, we're going to come to the end of this trial and sooner or later, the chaff will be separated from the wheat. And I'm not talking about judgment day. But I do believe that in this life, we will see the church rise up again. The church gain back its bearings, the, the, the papacy getting back to its rightful, uh, right state of mind. Everything goes through confusion and trial. All right. And I think for those who are in, uh, on the, under the camp of the Latin rite, the 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 uh, the Trinitine rite, the Latin Mass, also have to have to remember the main important thing is the gospel. The gospel. The message, calling people to repentance, calling people to know Jesus Christ, calling people to the gospel. These things are important. We have to know it. We have to we have to let the message out. What good is all the traditions if people don't know the message? We don't want to be like the Pharisees. You know, we don't want to wind up focusing so much on tradition, on the appearance of holiness, on on all on, on all on all those things. Remember. The early church in Jerusalem didn't do a Trinity Mass. 
even Taylor Marshall admits certain things were placed in, you know, after a certain time through the centuries. I'm not saying we should disregard them, but we have to make, but how do you communicate something to a generation that doesn't know what Latin mass is? I didn't grow up with a Latin mass. And I'm not saying, I love saying the Our Father in Latin. I love it when we say it in Latin. But you got to get the message of the gospel out, the message of repentance. If we as Catholics don't do it, the Holy Spirit is going to make sure that the message gets out. All right? There are so many Jewish people now, so many Israelis who are now coming to faith in Jesus Christ, coming to know him, and it's not through the ministry of the Catholic Church. And that's a serious problem. Evangelicals are getting the gospel out. Many Israelis are converting. And why isn't it being done by Catholics? Why isn't it being done by Catholic missionaries? Why? Because we're too busy arguing over the Latin Mass and over the Novus Ordo. Yeah, we, we, the liturgy is important. The liturgy, how we worship, is important. But the devil has threw a, a, a monkey wrench into into the you know into the Catholic, the Catholic camp, dividing us, and he's laughing. That monkey wrench is uh, bad. Bad ministers, bad clergy, bad bishops, bad cardinals, bad priests, priests like uh, like uh, uh, James Martin, right, and a few and and people like uh, uh, McCarrick, and uh, uh, bad leadership like like uh, Blaise Supich, Walton Gregory, right. Bad nuns, right? Who who are basically confusing everybody, focusing on social justice issues um, that contradict Catholic morality and Catholic teaching, like abortion, right? And then people focusing on gay marriages and stuff like that, things that contradict the faith, abortion and contraception, and then unfortunately you got. The worst part of it is sexual abuse, right? The homosexual priests and all that stuff. I mean, I was listening the other day and they were talking. There was a, a, a podcast with John Henry Weston where uh, I forgot this gentleman's name where they were folk talking about the so-called St. Sebastian uh, sons or whatever boys of St. Sebastian, whatever it was, which was a, a website for, for, for homosexual clergy. And they actually believe that they actually are celibacy means not touching a woman, but they can have sex with each other. Sick, sick things, really sick, perverted things. You see, the devil has ways. I mean, I remember my friend was telling me um, about one of his friends, a member of Communal Liberation, where she went to a, um, or, uh, a farmer's market and she remembered, she, she recalled a family that only went to a Latin mass, that only went to a Latin mass and, and didn't even allow their kids to watch TV or any other form of entertainment. Very, very, very strict 
Catholic family that only went to a Latin mass and didn't allow their kids any access to the to to the so-called world. Well, in the marketplace, she saw one of their daughters and she approached her and said how she was doing. And the daughter, as she was talking to the lady, this is a daughter who came from that very strict family, suddenly introduced her, introduced uh, this my friend's, uh, my friend Henry's friend, to her lesbian wife. This is the girl who came from the, the so-called traditional Catholic Latin mass family. And <laughs> what, what happened? What happened to this family's upbringing? What happened to, to all that all that, well, not attacking the Latin Mass. You could focus on tradition. You could focus on all these strict rules. But what happens is you're ignoring the present day reality. You could overdo it. You could overdo it to the point where your daughter and your children, all your children will hate you for the stranglehold you have on them. This is the danger. The devil will always find a way in. All tradition and no Christ. All Latin and no spirit, no Holy Spirit. All, all strict rules and no love. You know, there was obviously they were compensating for something. They were compensating for all this. I mean, we've all heard stories about even among Protestants, right? Even among Protestants, there was all strictness, all strictness, all but no love, no love of God. No love of no, no love of truth, no love of anything, no love of Christ. No Christ. And Jesus warned about that. Alright? What is what do we learn from the prodigal son? That the father forgave and accepted his son, brought his son back. What do we learn from from the, the, the parable of the of the shepherd who lost the one sheep and had to leave the 90 and nine and go find that one lost sheep because he can't afford to lose that one lost sheep. Once he found that he put it on his shoulders and it would tell his, his friends and his family rejoice with me for I found the one, my lost sheep, my one lost sheep. All right. There's a funny, there's an, that, that, there's a part in the chosen, the first second 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 episode, uh, the second season set first episode, where that actually is an example. Jesus is using an example that shepherds actually would do this, and you know the shepherd what he was using the shepherd to explain what would you do? Well, I would put on my shoulder and I would tell all my friends I found my one lost sheep, and I probably would do a little dance, <laughs> you know. These are examples that our Lord used from everyday life. 
He would use that to communicate the word of God, the love of God. What I'm saying is, focus on the substance of the gospel. Don't, you know, all these other things are nothing if there is no love. There, the Latin mass is going to be nothing if there is no love of Christ. All right? All the sacred traditions are going to be broken vessels if there is no love of Christ, if there is no love of God, if there is no love of the gospel. We have to focus on the love of our Lord, our Lord's message to his people. Okay? This is why the Latin Mass is not, you know, is 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 it's probably getting having difficulty going out. Even after Benedict the Sixteenth gave gave the gave the decree, the cardinals and the bishops refused. I'm not attacking Benedict. I'm attacking the fact that the fact that there was disobedience because there is there is no love of the gospel. There is no love of our Lord. It's missing. The truth of the gospel is missing. Even among the Latin rite, I think. We Catholics, you know, we're lukewarm, some of us. Not all of us, but most are lukewarm. The conservative side, people like someone like Scott Hahn is having better success of sending the message out. The, the, all the other ones, like they're having success of communicating the message. And we need to communicate the gospel. All of us Catholics, even the, even the Latin rite, have to communicate the gospel. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ is important. And all the other stuff, yes, there's, it, the Latin rite is growing. It's true. It is growing among young people. But what about the message of Christ? What about the message of forgiveness? You know, wearing women wearing the, the covering on their head, and learning to say the Pater Noster, the, the Our Father in Latin, and the Ave Maria in Latin, the Rosary in Latin, and, and, and all the other prayers mean nothing if we don't show Jesus Christ to them, if they don't see Jesus Christ in us. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to end it here. I know it got a lot longer than it should be, but I think that Fulton Sheen would agree with this. Everything he's saying about getting down on our knees and praying all of us, Protestant, Catholic, traditional Latin Rite Catholic, conservative, no Rosoto Catholic. We all should be Christian. We all should be Catholic all under one umbrella. But all that is not going to get out correctly if we, don't, if we don't preach Jesus Christ first. The message of the love of Christ is, is important. And, we, and I think, honestly, we have to get our act together. Because Satan loves this division. All right. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Okay. And this division, 
that's among us with all the other unfortunately filthy things, the spiders and the lizards uh, and the dead men's bones, all these, they're not going to get out. The perverts, the sodomites that are holding high positions of office are laughing. They love this division. They love this division among us, among the, uh, the conservative, uh, orthodox, evangelical Catholic. That's what I believe that we have. And we and, and the traditional Latin Rite ones who, who are focusing on tradition, but nobody's focusing on Christ. All right? Lukewarmness. That's all we have now among us is lukewarmness. All right, uh, let's close it with a Hail Mary in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the, of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, folks, God bless.